Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to do something real quick I've never done before. I want to give a quick shout out to Nick Loffisweiler. And the reason I'm doing this is because I heard the story this week about Nick. Nick is currently serving in the United States Navy. He is away from his family, his wife and his children, five children. He had very few things that he could take with him on his deployment. And a few of the things that he took with him were the Dad Tired books, which he read through. He listens to the Dad Tired podcast every week and then calls his wife and they talk about it. They talk about ways that they can continue to point each other and their kids towards Jesus. He's gone through our family leadership program. He recently listened to one of the homeschool episodes that we did, bought the book from the author that we interviewed, and then called his wife and let her know that he's excited to get home and help her as she's working to homeschool their five children. Man, I'm just amazed at guys like this who have every circumstance to check out and to say, you know what, I'm not, I just can't do it. It's impossible for me to lead my family well. But this guy, Nick, said, even in the middle of these circumstances, even being away from my family, I'm going to do everything in my power to continue to point my family to Jesus. And Nick, I just want you to know, man, I so appreciate you. I appreciate you listening to the Dad Tired podcast, reading the books, but even way beyond that, man, I appreciate the service that you and your family are making. And I appreciate the fact that you are diving into this stuff very, very seriously. Just know, brother, that the whole Dad Tired community is behind you we were cheering you on and we were praying for you to come home safely to your wife and kids. Love you, brother. Thanks for all that you do. And I hope that you enjoy today's episode. This one's for you, bro. On today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, I sit down with the president and chief strategy officer for Awana, Matt Markins. I'm sure you have heard of Awana if you've been involved in church for a while. If you haven't, that's okay. You'll learn a lot about what they're doing to disciple children Um, specifically what it looks like to disciple our kids in 2021 and all the unique challenges that our current culture is offering us. It's a really fascinating and intriguing conversation. I think it's going to be helpful on your parenting journey. I want to remind you that we have a family leadership program. This is for dads who are serious about leading their family well, but don't really know where to begin. You can purchase your spot now, and then we will jump in at the start of the month. So if you want to jump into that, you can go to dadtire.com forward slash lead. Before we dive into all of that, I want to thank my friends over at Haya Health for sponsoring today's episode. I know some of you dads listening may not be giving too much thought about the vitamins that your kids are taking, or maybe you just leave it up to your wife to make those decisions, but I want to challenge you to give this some thought. Haya Health was actually started by two dads who realized the vitamins they were giving their kids were essentially sugar-filled candy in disguise, so they decided to do something about it. Did you know that 93% of kids don't eat enough fruits and vegetables? And we all know that what kids eat instead are chicken fingers, mac and cheese, processed foods, ice cream, and more. And the vitamins that are supposed to fill in those nutritional gaps are based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. My kids absolutely love these vitamins. They're made from 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, teeth, bones, and more. Most children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can cause a variety of health issues. Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine it's manufactured here in the United States with globally sourced ingredients, each selected for optimal bioavailability and absorption. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Dad Tired listeners receive 50% off your first order. 
To claim this deal, you must go to HiaHealth.com forward slash dad tired or enter the code dad tired at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash dad tired. HiaHealth.com slash dad tired and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Again, go to HiaHealth.com forward slash dad tired or enter the promo code dad tired at checkout. Yeah, dude, I'm so excited to have you on today and just talk about when I heard what you do. And specifically, I know you got some events coming up specifically targeting child or talking about child discipleship, which is kind of the heartbeat of what we do, which I want to get into that. But first, let's talk about Awana a little bit. I worked at a church for six and a half years and it had a huge Awana presence. There was like, had to be hundreds of kids going to this every week, but I didn't have kids old enough to go. We had just had our first and second, they were real babies. And then we moved on. And so we, I never actually got to participate in it at the church that I worked at, but I know it's a phenomenal ministry to try to you know, disciple kids and equip parents and all that stuff. So maybe let's just start there. Like, What are you doing these days? What's your role look like? And how are you trying to help parents and kids look and act so, more like Jesus? So if you're a dad who has had this thought of how can I get my son or daughter into a local church ministry that will disciple them, but also kind of puts the ball on the tee for me to disciple them. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever asked that question, you know, there's probably a lot of answers to that question, but one of the answers is Awana. That's what we do. We're a global child discipleship organization. We're in 62,000 churches around the world, 130 countries. Jeez. Here in the United States, there's about 10,000 plus churches that use Awana ministries. Wow! So it's not necessarily too hard to find one. Oftentimes, uh, actually our website, awana.org has a, a ministry locator where you can go in and put your zip code in. You can see if there's an Awana ministry near you, maybe that you go to church A, but church C in your community has right. an Awana ministry. So there's a way to get, get your kids plugged in, even if it's not your Sunday church, if you will. But Awana is a discipleship ministry. Our, our vision is that all ch- children and youth throughout the world would come to know, love, and serve Jesus. Mm. So our mission is to equip leaders to reach kids with the gospel and to engage them in lifelong discipleship. So we put kids in a community where they have large group time, where they're being taught the Bible. They have small group time where they get eye contact, kind of eye to eye, knee to knee with a loving, caring adult who's mentoring them, who's mm. walking them through what we call a handbook, which is an opportunity to memorize a Bible verse and to have daily and weekly interaction with God's scripture. But that handbook goes home and it gives moms and dads probably two, three, four times a week, have a touch point around the verse of the week and has key questions, things you can talk about. It really makes discipleship integrated into a child and a family's everyday life. I love it. And it's been around for a while, right? Yes. 71 years. That's incredible. So The message, right? The gospel truth stays the same. What we're trying to teach our kids fundamentally stays the same, but discipling kids 71 years ago is going to look a lot different than how do we disciple our kids in 2021. And so I'd love to just kind of pick your brain on that vein. You know, one of the reasons I started Dad Tired was because I was a young dad looking for resources and trying to figure out, okay, how do I raise my kids to love Jesus? And a lot of the resources that I was finding back then were talking in language that just didn't make sense for my generation and for my kids' generation. And so I'd love to just kind of pick your brain about like, what are the unique challenges that both parents and kids are facing now 
when it comes to discipleship? What are you seeing? I think that the unique challenge is the climate that we're now living in. The term post-Christian culture is not new. Right. You know, some, some of our leading theologians have been talking about post-Christian culture for 50, 60 years. Yeah. But I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and I would say 10 years ago in this city, being in Nashville did not feel like you were living in a post-Christian culture. If you're in rural America, which many of your listeners I'm sure are, maybe now or certainly five, 10 years ago, you probably didn't feel like you were living in a post-Christian culture. But the yeah. reality is we're all swimming in it now. Yep. We could probably define some terms really quickly. So first of all, let's define the term secularism. The, our good friend Gabe Lyons, probably a friend of yours as well, but Gabe Lyons defined secularism as the diminishing of God and the elevation of individualism. Mm. So dismissing God and putting all the emphasis on the individual, that's secularism. That's the cult, the broader dominant culture that our kids are growing up in. Even if you're you're homeschooling your children and you're getting them in church a couple times a week and whatnot, the broader culture they're a part of. So if they're interacting with any kind of media, any kind of the outside world, it, they're bumping up against yeah. that, that world. The second definition would be what is post-Christian culture? So we were talking a moment ago about Mark Sayers. Pastor Mark Sayers of Red Church in Melbourne, Australia, says that a post-Christian culture is an attempt to advance the goals of Christianity without Christ, it's the kingdom without the king. Mm. So what are the cries of our culture? The cries are for justice. The cries are for freedom. The cry is for love and happiness. But we ask ourselves, historically, where did all of those come from? They came from a benevolent God who's our creator. Mm. So this post-Christian world says we want the goals, outcomes, and fruit of Christianity, but in a way that's cut off from Christ in the Bible. And so to answer your question, the challenges we're facing today is our kids are swimming in this secularized, it's highly pressuring secularized culture. They're swimming in a post-Christian culture. So what are they being taught? They're being taught UBU your body, your choice, live your truth. These are the kind of the monikers of our time. But really, that's the challenge we're up against is it's all about the self. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 there's a much better way. Yeah. So when you guys are in team meetings and you're thinking through, okay, we want to equip parents and we want to disciple young people, children to know and to love Jesus and to get a better understanding of him and his word so that they can be shaped to be more like Christ like unveil it a little bit, like what's strategy, knowing all that about where we currently are as culture, like what's strategy to, to try to make disciples in 2021? Yeah, I think it's, first of all, we're approaching it with simplicity. I mean, I, I'm a dad, life is fast paced, life is complex. You know, the iPhone, I'm holding an iPhone in my hand right now. This, yeah. this, this device is both complex and simple at the same time, right? Like right. what's inside of this is, is hyper complex but the way that it's uh, inter- that when I interact with the user interface, it's very simple. And so how can we put a simple plan in front of a dad? It's really three words and it's belong, believe, become. Hmm. So our organization spent, you know, we're 71 years old, as we just mentioned. So we, we spent some time studying in recent years. How did we get to be 70 years old? You know, We've had some successes and failures, but what were those successes along the way? What made this ministry successful and fruitful in all of our research? We did four research projects between 2013 and 2019. By the way, we're doing another massive one right now with the Barna Group. Maybe we could talk about that, but, but it really came down to three primary factors. We were trying to figure out what is it that most likely shapes a child disciple? 
what are the key things we do with kids that lead to discipleship fruit? And we came down to those three terms. Mm. So the, the first one, belong, is highly relational ministry led by loving, caring adults. Dad, that's you. We're going to unpack that more in a minute. The second one is believe. It's deeply scriptural ministry. That's unpacking the truth of God's word and the power of the gospel. And the third one is become. That's truly experiential ministry. That's walking alongside of kids and helping them navigate an ever-changing world. So let's think about those three items. The first one, believe, or excuse me, belong. That's highly relational. So the insight that's to be captured there is that one loving, caring adult can make all the difference. So, mm. so dads out there, think about people who made a difference in your life. Like maybe it was a coach, maybe it's a mentor, maybe a teacher, professor, coworker. At some point, someone probably came alongside of you that you trusted, you know, and said, Hey, let's talk. Or have you thought about this or asked yeah. you a hard question? But those relationships are the difference makers. You know, Harvard study for the developing child did a study on resiliency in children. They studied trauma and they figured out that the kids who bounce back are typically kids who have a loving, caring adult engaging in their life. So the new research we're doing with the Barna Group says that kids who have a community of a couple of adults around them in their church are far more likely to grow in their faith. So have you, have you, yeah. Have you done any specifics on like the father's role in there? Cause I know there's a lot of data out there about like specific, I mean, we want caring, loving adults for sure in a child's life, but we do know that there's like specific when a dad shows up, that it seems to be kind of exponential that those kinds of results. In the seem project that we just conducted, we don't measure that. Having said that, I have seen other projects that show the power of a loving, caring male, specifically yeah. a dad or father yeah. type figure in the life of a child is just so, so powerful. Yeah. But even without that, right. If, if I can just take that information objectively, that one loving, caring adult can make all the difference. And I'm a dad, you know, so I am that one right. loving, caring adult. So there's enough power there for me as a dad to realize my consistent engagement in my child's life high-fiving them, you know, getting on their level, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, I'm coming home from work and I'm, I'm greeting them with a hug and a kiss on the cheek, like, like that conversation, right? Like, like my wife taught me when our kids were little, just the power of talking to my kids. Yeah. And we have just always, we, we get up every day. What do we do? We talk, talk, talk all day long. We're always yeah. talking and, and through that talking relationship is, is formed and established. And, and, and there's so much power in that as a dad. Yeah. So the first one was belong, right? Yeah. Yep. Did you want to unpack all the, those three? Yep. So, okay. Second one is believe, yeah. and it's deeply scriptural. This is the Bible. That's it's Lifeway research says that if you want to grow spiritually, engage the Bible, other organizations have done research that continue to point to if you want to grow as a Christ follower or a Christian, you've got to crack open the word on a fairly consistent basis. I saw something last week that said, if you engage the Bible four times or more a week, you're more likely to grow spiritually. Hmm. So if I'm a dad, I'm going to take this in for, and, and I have a vision for my children to follow Jesus into their adulthood. Yeah. I'm going to figure out how to make that natural. So for me, Katie and I really struggled with formal family devotions. Yeah. And I, I, hopefully I won't get hate mail as a part of that, but <laughs> no, I but, think that our tagline is stumbling our way to spiritual leadership. So I think a lot yeah. of guys are like, man, I'm having a hard time as well. Yeah. So to me, it's all about natural integration, which by the way, that's why I like to want it. So I can just take five minutes to pick up a book and look my kid in the eye and you know have a conversation together. But the sitting around the room in a circle and doing family devotions never worked. 
we just talked about God's word all the time. I would just say, hey, guys, I was reading the Bible this morning. This verse jumped out at me. Check this out. You know, we would literally just talk about it rather than saying, hey, everyone, I need you to come sit down in the living room. Yeah. Or my wife would just say, hey, I was reading this. And what do you think about this? Or, Or in the car, we're playing Seeds Family Worship, which was a particular kids music band that we like. Yeah, we've had the we've had the founder on here on our show. Yeah, so Jason, great, great yeah. guy. So, yeah. Well, you know, one thing that I love about that and one thing that we've talked about in our dad tired community is because a lot of guys will ask, like, what family devotional do I need to help me do family devotions and things like that. And, and that's kind of the mindset that we go to as dads is I need to lead my kids in some kind of family devotional, which is awesome. But I think what could be the danger there is that we teach our kids that there's compartmentalization of our faith. And so we talk about Jesus for 10 minutes before bed or 10 minutes in the morning. And then we stop talking about Jesus, like devotion time is over. And now we move on with the rest of our life. And what you're saying is, no, the scriptures kind of, they ebb and flow through me throughout all of life. And then what I'm teaching my kids subconsciously without them even knowing is the things of Jesus, the ways of the kingdom of God are bleeding into every area. Hey, the reason that you're forgiving that kid who just hurt you or made fun of you on the playground is because Jesus teaches us to forgive relentlessly the way that he forgives you relentlessly. And there's this like, I'm using every moment of life to disciple my kids versus we've just got a 10 minute devotional time. Absolutely. Um, And again, don't abandon, you know, I don't abandon if you sit for 10 minutes and have a formal time of reading the word or whatever, that's amazing. But again, the the danger could be that we start to compartmentalize and and our kids will pick up on that really quickly. Yeah. So for those dads where we're leading a formal time is natural to you, two thumbs up, keep doing that. Yeah, for sure. But to repeat something both you said and, and I said a moment ago, I truly think the key word is talk. You know, look at Deuteronomy 6. It says, talk about these things when you yeah. sit at home, when you walk along the road. But I think that's actually really powerful because I remember a moment that I saw my wife holding one of my sons as a baby and she took their hand and she rubbed it over a leaf. I mean, again, this is an infant mm. and she rubbed it over a leaf. And as she did that, she said, Hey, this is a tree. This is a leaf from a tree. God mm. created this tree. He created and he created you. And she's talking to my infant son. And I'm thinking to myself, that's it right there. Like, and so what she did was, and what she taught me was just, even if they're an infant, you talk to them as if they can understand you because at yeah. one point they're going to understand you. Yeah. And I think what we did is we just never stopped. We just, yeah. since that day, we've always had dialogue. Now, now that dialogue can be about sports. It can be about culture. It can be about music, but if you're good at talking with your kids, then just saying, hey, by the way, when I yelled at you earlier, I yelled out of anger and not out of you know instruction and, and an ability to help you be better disciplined. That type of conversation becomes more natural because you've been talking to them about everything else. Yeah, I love it. I'd love to dive in into some of the, uh, the research that you're doing with Barna. I got to sit in on a Barna kind of presented some of the things that they've been learning this was in Dallas and they were talking specifically around men. So it was, it was the data that they're finding around men in general, but I'd love to hear what's so fascinating about what Barna does is they can quantify things that we see in culture. So we, we will see things and we, we can kind of feel them at our core, like, oh, this feels like culture shifting, but we don't really know how to articulate it, but they're really good at quantifying the changes in culture. And so what, as you're like working with them and doing some of these studies, what stuck out to you? What are some things that they're quantifying that's like, oh man, okay, we felt that, but that's actually 
true. And we're seeing it now on paper. This other one is, is one I've already alluded to, which is just the power of community around mm. that child. So yeah. let me quickly go to an illustration of if I were a dad, what would I be doing? And then I'll go back to the Barna data point. If I were a dad, I, I would kind of draw a picture in your mind as you're listening to this with your, your child in the center of an oval or a circle. And around your child, around that circle are like X's or dots that represent five to 10 different people Mm. and your child in the center. These are your job as a dad or a mom is to build a community around your child. You Mm. you as a dad, you're limited in your capacity to be able to meet your son or daughter's needs. You know, like you have certain areas of specialty that you're good at, but your job as a dad being a a community builder, right? Like Mm. you can put other people in your child's life to help kind of fill in some of those missing pieces Mm. and bring pieces of the kingdom of heaven into your child's life. And the reason I paint that picture is because probably the most powerful stat that we've seen so far, and by the way, the Barna Group only walked us through a fraction of the data because the research is still coming in. It's an active project right now. They just finished the building. And so the data point that stuck out to the, the, the most to us so far is only 39%, so basically 40%, 4 out of 10 kids who attend churches have a loving, caring adult in that church community that wow. uh, they have access to. So in other words, 6 out of 10 kids in your children's ministry at your church are going to church, but the parents are saying they don't really have any adults they're connecting with. They don't really have any adults that they know or who, who they would say that, that, that love them and care for them. This is outside so, of mom and dad. This is outside of mom and dad. So if I'm understanding that data point, right, there's six out of 10 kids. Or is it parents identifying this? Yes. So six out of 10 parents are saying outside of us, our kids don't have any other adults that are, they can go to where they feel loved and saved and are point. Correct. Point Correct. Wow. Okay. So four out of 10 do, six out of 10 don't. So there's actually probably multiple challenge points here. One of them would be for the church. How can we scale that, you know, from four out of 10 to six out of 10 to eight out of 10 to grow that. But here's what I want to point out for the four out of 10 that do every other data point that you can cross tabulate is not even, you cannot even compare uh, Mm -hmm. to the kids who don't, meaning the kids who do have loving, caring adults. When you look at are they reading the Bible weekly? Yes, they are. When you look at, are they worshiping in church? Yes, they are. Are you, when you look at, are they growing spiritually? Like all of the other sub data points, the kids who do have a community have at least one loving, caring adult in that church. They're far more likely to be active disciples, even as children. So why is that important? Because I, as a dad, you know, I take my child to church and I drop them off in children's ministry, which it does probably feel good to get, to be able to have some time to go do my own thing at church. But if I can think more strategically as a dad, hey, what if I could put a life group leader, a football coach, or some kind of coach, a relative, someone else I trust at the church who can, you know, who can engage in my child's life. If we can build a web, a community of people investing in our kids, they're far more likely to be an active, fruitful disciple than kids who don't have that community around them. This is a really fascinating conversation and one that's not happening very often. And I'm wondering how much of this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, which is the individualism, the secularism that leads to individual self. And we 
as parents can think, I can just raise my kids on my own and just maybe me by myself or me and my spouse, we can raise up a disciple to be who they're supposed to be. And we don't really need anyone else to be part of that journey. And probably most parents aren't saying that out loud, but the way that we kind of construct our lives would probably bear that out like that. It would prove it out that we don't really need anybody else. It's a really, really fascinating point. I read a book called, man, I'm totally blanking on it. It was one of my favorite books of this last year. I'm going to think of it in a second, but essentially this author, it was completely secular. There was no Christian basis at all. She was an NPR reporter and she was studying different, like a pandemic's the first word that comes to mind because we're in the middle of a you know global thing, but she would basically like go study Ebola in this country. Mm-hmm. She'd go mm-hmm. study these massive disease outbreaks for lack of better words. And she happened to have a three-year-old at the time. And so she was fascinated. What caught her attention as she's doing all this reporting on these diseases, what was capturing her attention most is how people were actually parenting their kids in these like village contexts. And she was basically noticing that like we parent so differently in the States compared to how these other places in the world have been parenting their kids for tens of thousands of years. And one of the major points that she conclusions that she came up with was how much of a village really sees their responsibility to raise the children. And so we've heard that saying, you know, it takes a village. That's kind of loose. Like, Hey, grandma, can you help babysit every couple months, you know, or once a month? But it's a really fascinating point, especially when you start putting data to it, that it actually, maybe it was God's design that there would be a whole community of people that are contributing to the spiritual development of my child. Correct. And then we add on kind of two variables the, the hypermobility of Americans to, you know, dad takes a job in Philadelphia. So we're leaving our home in Cleveland to go to Philadelphia. Like, like that type of, you know, hypermobility has caused community in the United States to break down. Mm. Clearly you and I aren't going to solve that. Yeah. But what, what we can do is we can give dads a, a strategic framework to think about, Hey, I'm a community builder for my child. Yeah. And as I build that community, I'm giving that son or daughter a higher likelihood of owning my faith, you know, yeah. of knowing Jesus personally to where they're going to follow him for a lifetime. So I think that factor has a huge piece uh, to play in it is our hypermobility nature. The book is called Hunt, Gather, Parent. I ah. looked, looked on my phone, Hunt, Gather, Parent. It's a wonderful, really, really incredible, fascinating book about parenting. Again, completely secular perspective, but really fascinating. And, it, and you can take a lot of takeaways as a Christian parent, I think. So hunt, gather, parent. Yeah. I lost my train of thought when I was trying to think of that, the book. That's some really fascinating. I, you know, I was thinking, how cool would it be as a dad or a parent to identify those people? And I'm sure that they're going to change in seasons. Oh, right? So, you know, so some, it might be a, a coach at this point or this season or whatever, but it would be really cool for a dad or parent to identify those people in your particular season and to even commission them and give them permission to speak into your child's life, especially if they love and know Jesus. You know, like I'm thinking right now of my brother-in-law, my kids love their uncle Aaron. You know, he's such a big role in their life right now. He's just doing it naturally very well at being engaged in their life, but to commission him and say, Hey man, it seems like my kids really value you and respect you. I just want you to know you have free, you have our permission to speak into our kids and to help shape them. Like we see you as part of our team and our community of helping shape and grandparents or whomever. That's a cool thought to like really give them the freedom to partner with you 
in that parenting. Yeah, there, there's there's uncles like that. There's also let's say there's a family friend that you really respect who goes to your church. Let's say your church does some kind of midweek or Sunday evening or even even Sunday morning. But if it's a midweek thing and you typically show up for at church for six thirty, what if you said, hey, you know, Steve or Teresa, could you show up at six fifteen? Could you show up fifteen minutes earlier and just meet with my son or my daughter in the church lobby or what, and have 15 minutes of conversation, mm-hmm. those weekly bursts in interaction can make all the difference. I, mean, I can think of individual conversations I had yeah. that were moments, you know, West Stafford has that book called just one moment, mm-hmm. you know, one moment can make all the difference in, in a child's life. So being a community builder as a dad means that we can be proactive. We can try to set up these types of regular rhythms in our children's lives where they get other adults speaking into them and discipling them. From your experience, when you're seeing specifically in Awana, like you said, you're trying to just set the ball on the tee for a parent or yeah. an adult to really disciple their these children. Can you see even anecdotally, like when it stops at church, so a child gets dropped off at the church, they do the programming and then they go home and there's likely no follow-up happening at home. They just yeah. got the papers at home. They, they did the, the curriculum or whatever, but then it stops at home. How often are you seeing parents who aren't really seeing this as like them getting set up to disciple, but they see it as discipleship? I'm just going to drop my kids off at this thing and they're being discipled by the professionals and maybe even some dads or moms are thinking, I don't even really know how to disciple my kids. So it's just, I'll let the professionals do it. I don't feel like I'm equipped or have the energy or desire to do it. Yeah, so I'll describe maybe three profiles. One is the highly engaged disciple-making parent. This is the parent who's who's kind of doing the kinds of things. You know, the parent who's listening to this podcast, the dad is listening yeah. to this, cares enough that they're you know they're trying to move the ball forward. So we won't spend a lot of time talking about that profile. Let's just say to that dad, you're doing a good job, man, and you should Heck be yeah. <laughs> like if you're listening to this, keep going. Uh, yeah, it really does. Uh, and I, I don't want to say I say that with a laugh, but I'm serious. Like the fact that you're even taking the time out of your day to listen to a podcast on how to disciple your children. Dude, God's working in you. The spirit's working in you. And the fact that the spirit's working in you means that Jesus is trying to chase down your kids. And so just take heart. Even if you feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if I'm doing this right. The very fact that you're listening to this episode is evidence that the spirit of God is chasing you down and therefore chasing your children down. And he is at work in your family. And so just be encouraged, bro, as you're listening to this, you're doing a good job. That's the first profile, but go ahead on the second. That's why people tuned into the podcast right there. That's awesome, Jared. So the second profile I would describe is maybe like like lethargic, meaning that there are parents who you love your kids, you want your kids to follow Jesus, but maybe you're not fully awake to the fact that we're swimming in an aggressive secular culture yeah. that really is, is consuming our kids the way they think to become individual autonomous and, and to become hyper-individualists and it's really, really forming them faster. If we're not aggressively, if we, that's not the right word. If we're, if we're not proactively discipling our kids, then if we're being kind of lethargic as parents, then certainly our kids are being formed by the world and the culture faster than, than we're forming them or the church could be forming them. So yeah. And, another way of saying that is they're being discipled. They are being discipled. No matter what, they're being the discipled. Yeah. It, Correct. They'll, they'll either uh, be discipled by intentional parents and a community of people we're trying to disciple these children for the glory of God, or they will be discipled by the culture of that, but they are being discipled. You have to be aware of that as a parent. 
The third profile, you know, maybe maybe we could call them just focusing on the wrong things or or being discipled by the wrong things. But a prime example of this third profile would be like the sports culture family. And I'm I'm, I'm sure I'm going to step on some toes, but if your kids are in all sorts of sports activities that are dominating your calendar in your kids, you have to ask yourself, if I lift my eyes and I look to the year 2050, so my 10 year old now in the year 2050 is going to be somewhere around 40 years old. So I have to ask myself what I'm doing now. Am am I coming around them in a way that's going to form them to be like Jesus? Or are there all of these other competing priorities that are eating up all my child's mind space, mental space, emotional space, and therefore deteriorating any kind of spiritual foundation. So unfortunately, a lot of parents are investing so much in sports or, or it could be drama, music, whatever, that there's really not much space in the family calendar to have presence with God, to have uh, interaction with each other about the road to discipleship. And I I think that, you know, we probably don't talk about that enough because we don't want to offend parents. We don't want to step on their toes. But the reality is, like you just said a moment ago, we're being discipled by something. What is it that's discipling us? And the best way to answer that question is just to look at our family calendar. What's eating up all of our time, just like the dollars that are eating up our, our budget? I think that a lot of us fall into that category. I want every parent listening to just let it sink in for a minute. If there's any sense of conviction in that, of what you just heard Matt say, like just sit in it for a second. And if your defenses come up and you, you feel like you, you got to put up an argument, just ask the Lord, like, all right, Lord, I'm feeling something. As I hear Matt say that, I'm feeling maybe a little conviction. And first thing I want to do is just fight it. But Lord, what would you want to speak to me right now? What are you trying to tell me right now? Because what you just said at the end is, I think, the key there. You can say what you are passionate about and what you are trying to move toward as a goal until you're blue in the face, but your calendar and your checkbook or your bank account will always prove out what you actually love most. And so if you're curious, like, where are we going as a family? What are we actually striving for as a family? Look at your calendar and look at your bank account and let those two things kind of show you, be a mirror for you. What do we actually value most as a family? And man, there may be some sacrifices that you say, I know my son or my daughter is really good at sports or they're really good at drama or music, but does it, when we're thinking about kingdom stuff, when we're not just thinking about my kids, I'm thinking about my grandkids and my great grandkids, does this make most sense for trying to raise disciples for the kingdom of God and the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom for a hundred years from now? Does this make most sense for us to spend our time and money on? And uh, just, I would encourage every listener to have a very honest conversation with the Lord. So what we don't want, we don't want to be legalists. We don't want to say, you know, we're not going to do any sport. That's certainly not the case. So for my two sons who are now 19 and 17, we let them be involved in one sport a year. Now, for some of you, you know, maybe your kids are in two or three. That just sounds like there's no way we could get there. I don't think the point is legalism. The point is asking the hard question. The point is going through the journey of, what can our kids be involved in that's going to help form them to be a person of character, to be a team player, all all the reasons our kids are involved in these types of programs. But we have to also ask, is there space in their calendar for them to be emotionally healthy, you know, for not be overwhelmed and filled with anxiety for us as a family to be able to take a weekend away, all of these types of things that help us to just be a little more relaxed and present 
and allow God to do disciple-making work as relates to the gospel in our lives. And our calendars are just too full of all these other things that's really not possible. So my point in bringing that up is not to say, wipe the calendar clean. It's have the hard questions to figure out what's going to work for your family, but ultimately, and that's going to form your kids in the image of Christ. I love it. I love that encouragement. My son, and this feels weird because whenever your dad talking about your kids, every dad thinks their kids are the best or whatever, you know, but my son plays soccer and he, he does pretty well at playing soccer. He's 10. And so, you know, as, as well as a 10 year old can play soccer, but he has been asked by these other teams, coaches, can you want to play at a more serious competitive level? And that's actually the age that I started to play year round uh, when I was his age. And we just made the decision as a family, like, does this make most sense? for where we're trying to go as a family. And we said, no, it just doesn't like it. He loves it. He has fun. It's really cool. But when we're trying to think through our family and again, that time and the amount of time that it would take, it would just pull too much on the other things. And, and again, I would just say to the parents, if you don't know where you're trying to go as a family, if you don't know your final destination, then you will say yes to everything that feels good. Playing more sports doesn't necessarily feel wrong. There's a cool community around it. My son's good. They're getting a good opportunity. And you'll just say yes to whatever opportunity presents itself because you don't really know where you're trying to go. But if you can say as a family, no, here we're laying out, we are being proactive, not reactive. When we're trying to understand where are we as a family trying to head, then when opportunities like that present themselves, you can say, man, super cool opportunity. Seems like it would be fun, but just doesn't make sense for where we're trying to go as a family 20 years from now, 50 years from now, hundred years from now. And so that helps. And you got to be able to sit down with your spouse and really map out where are we trying to go as a family? Matt, I know I want to be respectful of your time here, man, but this is such good stuff. I know you got a big event happening this week, the week that this podcast will be released in order to try to equip the church and to equip parents. So tell us a little bit about that. If, if they catch this episode in time to, to, to catch that event, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So September 16 and 17, and by the way, it'll also be available for replay. So I think you can even register perhaps after the event and you get like a 30-day replay license, but it's called the Child Discipleship Forum. You can go to childdiscipleshipforum.com. We're just concerned. I mean, we're a 71-year-old organization. So child disciple making has been a part of who we are from the beginning. But what we're concerned about is the changing dynamics of secularism in the post-Christian culture that we now find ourselves in. And we're asking questions around, are we adequately preparing today's kids to lead the church and engage the culture of 2050? And then when we talk to church leaders and many dads about that, there's this kind of, you know, this sense of, no, I'm not so sure we are. Yeah. And so we're gathering together dads, high capacity parents and volunteers, as well as church leaders in Nashville and online to have this conversation. So we're really looking through three lenses. One is cultural analysis. Second one is local church practice, meaning how can we as parents engage our children in churches and how can our children's ministries be set up to do this the most effectively? And then thirdly, a child advocacy, meaning children matter. You know, yeah. the Barna Group says that a person's worldview is established by age 13. Wow. That's true. Then two years ago, that 13-year-old was an 11-year-old in our children's ministry. Two years before that, they were a nine-year-old nurture. So what was happening at age five, nine, and 11 yeah. to help form that child's worldview that's going to be locked in by the time they're 13 years old? So if that Barna stat is true, which all research continues to show that it is, then we have a big conversation around how do we form resilient disciples, resilient child disciples 
And the good news is child disciple making works. It's fruitful. We just, we have a ton of research around that. And so we want to help parents. We want to help dads and we want to help the church let go of lesser things so that we can put more energy around fruitfully discipling our children. I I do think about that over that parent that has the schedule that's too crowded. My question to you would be, are you going to wake up one day? Are you going to ask yourself, will we look back and wish that we would have let go of some lesser things to put more energy into discipling our kids? And I don't think we want to be there. So let's have the hard conversations now around what can we let go of to put more energy into those three areas, belong highly relational, believe deeply scriptural, and become truly experiential. Those are those areas that that are most known to form kids as disciples. So how can we as dads put more energy in those areas? I think that's the conversation we want to have. Man, well, I'm excited to sit in on those conversations and to hear all the the information that you guys are going to present there. Just to clarify, it will be because we'll have a lot of guys who listen to this next year. Will they be able to go back or will it have an expiration date? Oh boy, you asked me a question. I don't have the answer. <laughs> yeah, to. yeah, that's okay. That's okay. I have to edit that out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. No, we'll keep it in. I mean, we that's raw. We'll just keep. Uh, you know, if if you're listening to this in 2022. And you go there and it's not there. I'm sorry, man, you missed it. <laughs> but hopefully, well, but the ch- here, here's the good news: the Child Discipleship Forum will be happening uh, year over year. Okay, uh, we're, this is year one, and we're gonna we're gonna keep this thing rolling. Sweet. Well, yeah. So if you're listening to this at any time, just go to the website and get whatever latest information is there. Hopefully, you catch it a couple of days ahead of time, and you can mark your calendar. But Matt, man, this is super fun conversation. I feel like we only scratched the surface, which happens often on this show, but really, really interesting, fascinating stuff. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to share it with us. Thanks, Jared. Good to be with you. Hey guys, I hope today's episode was helpful for you on your journey of falling more in love with Jesus and helping your family do the same. If we have been at all helpful for you on your journey of leading your family well, and you believe that this would be helpful for more guys around the world to be equipped to lead their family well, would you consider becoming a monthly partner? We rely on the support of our listeners. We're a nonprofit ministry, and your support, as little or as big as it can be, is a massive help to us. You can go to dadtire.com forward slash give. Again, if we've been helpful for you at all, and you think this would be helpful for more dads around the world, we would love to partner with you. You can go to dadtire.com forward slash give. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. See ya. Thank you.